0: In the Bible, it says, you know, not to talk to mediums or not to necromance and do all these other crazy things. And I'm like, look, the other flip side of that is that it also says in the Bible that we're created in God's image. And he wouldn't have given us these abilities unless he wanted us to use them. Heaven is whatever we kind of form it to be. For all the times that I've ever seen somebody who took their own life, they're not being punished. The ones who haunt are the ones that are not necessarily bad but they're kind of not getting the attention that they want. You can see the camera as it's falling down, a black shadow shoots across the front of it, then up, and then back the other way. Every single piece of equipment that we had in this house went nuts. And when I tell you that it was like some of the most hardcore bits of haunting I've ever been a part of, that's no joke. The thing you have to remember about a true demon is they do not want you to know that they are there.
1: back everyone to Diary of an Empath. I'm super excited for today's episode. It's been a long time coming. I want to talk about psychic, mediumship, all the spooky stuff that all of you have been asking for. My next guest is Scott Davis. He is a psychic medium and is best known for his features on the Discovery Channel, Inside Edition, Paranormal 911, the Travel Channel, and has done ghost hunting at some of the most infamous haunted places such as the Stanley Hotel, which some of you may have heard of. And he is also a Marine and I personally served with him. So this episode is a little personal for me. So Scotty, welcome to the show.
0: What's up? How are you?
1: Man, it's been a long time. So for those that uh, you know don't know who Scotty is, so first of all, we served in the Marine Corps. So me and him go way back. And it's just really interesting how we kind of ended up on a similar path. And I don't think either one of us knew that we were into this stuff until like maybe like a year ago. So I first just would love to start off with your history, your upbringing. How did this even begin for you? Just give it all to me. I want to know.
0: All right. That, well, thank you for such a nice introduction, too. So um, basically, when I was a, a kid, I think we're noticing this a lot, is that a lot of kids talk about the paranormal and ghosts, and they kind of spook their parents a little bit because they'll talk about maybe imaginary friends or things that they, their parents aren't seeing, and they're very descriptive about it. Well, I was that kid, and I would talk about things um, being in the house or being out on the street and kind of freak out my parents. Uh, sometimes we're even uninvited. To people's homes because I would talk about the things in their houses, not realizing that like that was kind of spooky for everybody. Uh, it was just something that I experienced my entire life. So I hadn't known it uh, my whole life at that point, like, you know, five years old. So what do you know at five, right? So I grew up pretty normal, um, normal house, five, five people, two siblings, mom and dad. Um, I am adopted. So I think uh growing up, they may have thought they got a broken one um, because of all the the weird stuff that I was always talking about. But nobody ever like made me feel bad about it. They'd just be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be talking about this to everybody because it was something that I was very interested in. So early on, um, before all of the internet and YouTube and all that stuff, uh, you know, growing up, I would always wait for TV shows to come on that were based in the paranormal things that were scary. So I was really into like haunting kind of stories or, um, like there was a TV show in the nineties called sightings. And then there was X files. And these are things that I lived for. And it kind of like called to me, but I didn't understand why at the time it wasn't until much later in life where in the early two thousands, paranormal TV started to catch on. Uh, I was on sci-fi channel and then TLC, I think got, um, the long Island medium. And that's really when things started to click for me because I'd watch her and I'd watch what she was doing. And I was like, intuitively understanding that that was something that I knew how to do. I just didn't know what it was called. I didn't have a word for it. Everything I had seen pretty much up to this point was all make-believe things that were written for TV or movies that were supposed to be scary instead of what she was doing, which was very heartwarming and bringing something into the home or the the person's life that that made a difference in a not scary kind of way. So, Fast forward a little bit, I joined the the Marine Corps, and that's where you and I had met. And during my time in the Marine Corps, um, there were some times where people would want to talk about ghost stuff or scary stuff. And I think I always had the best stories or the the best way to relate to the ghost or the paranormal, because it was just something that was so a part of my life for so long. But it wasn't like it is now. It was more like, oh, I've had a lot of ghost things happen to me. I've had a lot of interesting paranormal stories, and I can tell them to you. Whereas now... Where I am in my path is an instant connection to the people on the other side because I understand it now and connect with it. So going through the military, I had a couple very interesting events happen early on after Paris Island, but before training was over. I don't know where if you trained on Camp Johnson at all or Camp Devil Dog.
1: I think we did MCT there.
0: This was a long right. time that's, ago. <laughs> yeah. That's when I, I had two really interesting things happen. Uh, it was probably like the end of 2005 when I was there and I had two really weird things happen where myself and another Marine woke up in the middle of the night and we saw a little boy standing over a group of Marines that were sleeping. We were inside of like a wooden hut. Um, uh, you know, they're called Kwanzaa huts or whatever. And, um, this kid woke me up and he's like, yo, do you see this little kid in here? And if you know anything about the military, you need to get onto the base. And then you have to get to where this training ground is, which is a hike. So it's like, there shouldn't be any little kids here. And we woke up in the middle of the night and there's this little kid standing over another Marine. And the guy next to me is like, dude, do you see this? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. What is going on here? And it was as solid as any person in this place. So he and I like got up real like thinking we're being sneaky and we get closer to this, this form of a little boy. And as we get closer, it sits up and it kind of looks at us and it darts down the middle of the highway or the middle of the rows of sleeping Marines and out the back door. We follow out after it. And outside of the door is another Marine who's standing fire watch. And we're like, dude, did you just see a little kid run through here? And he was like, no, but before you guys opened up the door, the door did swing open Um, But there was nobody there. It was just you guys like shortly after. And we're like, holy crap, like that can't can't be like a real thing. Like we both saw it. Then a couple weeks after that, during the uh, final exercise, I had seen what I thought was one of the instructors dressed in sort of like uh, a Middle Eastern sort of uh, I I hate to say this, but I can't remember the right name, but like one of the man dresses that the, the men would wear. Over in the Middle East, and we were doing final exercises before we were getting kicked off to our MOS school. So it was the middle of the night again. It's uh, two or three other Marines where it's like two in the morning or so. We have a, a sergeant who's in charge of us and it's it's nothing going on because it's t- terrible weather, it's raining. Um, and I'm like, well, there's nothing going on. I have to get up. I have to go relieve myself. So I I get up out of this little fighting hole that we're all in. And I walk out a little bit into the woods by myself. And I start to sink into the ground because it's so wet. And then I notice that the water is getting really high. So I'm like, well, that's as far as I can go without really sinking in. And as I'm going to do my business, I notice that there is something in front of me, probably about 15 to 20 feet. And it's sort of just floating in front of me. And it looks like a man in a dress, or at least that's what I was thinking rationally, like, oh, it's one of the instructors who's like dressed up, playing the part and he's going to come out and try to try to get us. So I run back and I'm like, Hey, Sarge, wake up. Um, obviously we never call a Marine Sergeant Sergeant, but I'm getting lazy in my old age. So I'm like, <laughs> Hey, uh, I'm like, Hey, uh, there's a, there's somebody coming. And he looked at me and he was like, there's definitely nobody coming. I know for a fact, we're not doing anything tonight. And he's like, whatever you're telling me that you saw it there, we don't talk about it and I don't want to hear about it. So he like instantly knew like wow something was up and it was something he's heard before and was like, we're not talking about it. So, wow. of course, me, I was like, OK, let's find out. So a couple couple days later, we're marching back to the main camp. And I was like, hey, remember a couple nights ago I told you about what I saw in the woods? And he's shaking his head. Yes. And he's like, look we're not supposed to talk about it, but yeah, people see all kinds of weird stuff up here and we're just not supposed to talk about it. But I can confirm that I've heard what you said before and I asked him about the little kid and he like almost turned like white as a ghost. He was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I have to keep coming up here to train other people. So we're done. And I was like, that was my first instance at like, okay, there's some really interesting stuff here on Camp Lejeune and Camp Johnson up in the woods there. So that was a really neat thing. But I think it was the only time in in my Marine Corps time that really something paranormal had happened.
1: So about what age did you like start noticing that you had your own abilities? Was that kind of like the first insight that you had to that? Or was there like a certain time or a certain incidence that you're like, okay, I know that I'm sensing things that other people are not.
0: So it wasn't until I was an adult where I could really start to make sense of it all, where like it was more than a ghost story. And that happened probably when I was about 31, so about 10 years ago or so. This is funny because I know that one of the the questions that um, a lot of people ask and probably yourself is, do spirits or ghosts watch us when we're in the restroom? (laughs) I'm going to have to tell you yes. And it's because of this. Um, I came home after my shift at my my job now and uh, I was taking a shower and all of a sudden I started feeling something like in my head that were thoughts that weren't my own. And I was like, okay, am I losing it? Am I about to like, go off to the funny farm? Have I completely gone off the rockers? Because there is somebody talking to me, and it's not me. But this person had some really interesting things to say. And and something inside of me was like, just listen. Don't be scared. Just listen. So this man said to me, my name is Pop. I want you to talk to your mom's friend, Vicky. I'm her dad. Um, I want you to talk about X, Y, and Z to her. And I want you to tell her about this woman named Anna. And then all of a sudden, as he says this woman's name, I see a photograph, like as if I had held the photo out in front of me and, and memorized it and remembered the details. It was in my memory somewhere. And it was a picture of a woman in a pink dress. She had white pearls on, um, hair similar to yours, so, so black, and but it stopped at her shoulders. And I smelled cupcakes under my nose. And he said, there's a man standing next to her in a tuxedo remember that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is so crazy. Meanwhile, I'm still in the shower, like hair, hair full of suds. And I'm like, all right, I got to rinse off. I get out. I write it all down in a notebook. And I called my mom and I was like, mom, you know, how sometimes like I see ghosts or like, I feel like there's somebody talking to me. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, this time I have like details and I have to see if this is real or not. So do you think that um, Vicky would mind if I gave her a call and talk to her about this? Cause I think her dad was talking to me. And my mom was like, no, she'll love this. This is upper alley. So, um, I arranged a meeting with my mom's friend and I went to her house and I opened up this notebook and I start rattling this stuff off things about him being like a civil war reenactor, which, which was accurate. And I had talked about a wedding that he wanted to talk about where they rented out a blue classic sports car. And I kept seeing the wedding party around it. And Vicky said, you know, we were just at that wedding this weekend. They rented a blue car like a a classic sports car, just like you're saying. And they, they took photos around it. And it would have, my dad would have definitely been there if he was still alive, he would have definitely been invited to it. So I'm like, Oh my God, he, he must've been there because he knew this stuff. Right. And then the kicker was the photograph that when I started talking about, she's like, hold on. She's like, I should have done this from the, from the start, but my mom lives downstairs. Let me call her up here and you can tell her too. So her mom comes up and I described that photograph with the with the woman Anna and and her mom was like holy cow that's my husband's wife ho- or mom hold on one second she comes back with a wedding album opens it up and there's the photograph of Anna I just got mom yeah and and him and she's in the pink dress with the white pearls and her hair exactly how I said it would be and the lady was like this is crazy because I haven't opened this book in 30 years and she's like you know, moreover, I'd never been to their house. I certainly had never been in the mom's apartment. And moreover, I would have never had access to that wedding album. So there was definitely somebody giving me information from somewhere. And that was the first inkling that there was something interesting happening. But I didn't just be like, well, I guess I'm a medium now. Like I, I actually went the other way and I was like, I'm going to try to disprove all of this. So I would find people that were open to it and I'd just sit with them. And I would just kind of go to that same spot in my head and be like, okay, let's see what information could come out of this, you know, us sitting down. And then one after another, people would be like, how could you possibly know all of the things that you know about our relatives unless they were actually telling you them? So after about two years of doing that, I just said, okay, I guess this is what I do. And it sort of set me off into the path that I'm in now.
1: That's so interesting, because I think it was very similar for me, but not in a sense that I was getting mediumship. I just felt like this urge to get tarot cards like me, like my thing is cards like that's my tool. And when I started doing it, I was waiting for someone to be like, you suck. Like you you're terrible. don't don't do this anymore. <laughs> I was trying to disprove myself. and I'm like, oh, maybe I got lucky, right? You know, I am I am very empathic and I am very good at picking up cues about people. Maybe I just picked up something by chance. And then the more I did it, the more I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is actually real. And it's so crazy because it's tarot and doing my own readings has given me more insight about the world, my religious views, how I see other people, how I view myself than any Bible, any church. And that, that's not to negate anyone's belief systems. I just feel like there's more out there than what we can fit into a box. I'm really curious for you, did that change how you viewed religion and maybe how you viewed your previous beliefs? Did that change or was it the same after?
0: Well, uh, I'm a Catholic, so I've, I've always been, um, really drawn to my faith. I believe in God. And as a matter of fact, it probably strengthened it up a lot, even though they're, you know, and I don't ever try to change anybody's beliefs or make them believe what I believe that that's not important. Um, But what is important is that people are like, oh, in the Bible, it says, you know, not to talk to mediums or not to necromance and do all these other crazy things. And I'm like, look, the other flip side of that is that it also says in the Bible that we're created in God's image and he wouldn't have given us these abilities unless he wanted us to use them. And if you're using them for good, and and I mean by good, I mean helping people instead of trying to hurt them or take money from them or defraud them, um, then you're going to be okay. So anytime I do as much, believe it or not, as much free as I can, um, without it, like actually impacting me. And then there is a point, as you know, that you have to get something for it. Right. So of course, money is, we all get paid to do something. The mechanic gets paid. I, I get paid to do my regular job, but
1: therapists get paid.
0: Right. There has to be that exchange somewhere. Right. But as long as you're not saying things, cause I have been to people, who I didn't like the way that they were doing it. And they'd be like, okay, for the first half hour, it's going to be $25. And you get half that half hour. And then they're like, if you'd like to continue, it's going to be $500. And it's just like, whoa, no, no, no. That's not the way we should do this. So when I saw that that was a trend among people doing this, I said, from the way I do it is, here's the price out front. And if I take the one hour that we agreed on or four hours, it's the same price. I'll never, ever upcharge you or do anything like that. Because then it becomes uh, icky for a better lack of words. <laughs> and empath probably has a better word vocabulary for that. But for me it just gets gross feeling or or out of out of sync and it makes me feel bad. So no matter if we sit down for the hour or four hours or however long it is, that's what it's gonna be. And that that was kind of the way that I do it. And it makes me feel better about about doing it. And then, you know, there's some people who come to you with some real problems, some real real issues in their life for somebody that they're so distraught over that. I couldn't possibly think of charging him a dollar, you know, like, let's just sit down and and I'll do my best to help you, you know?
1: And I think that's a real light worker. That's somebody who's meant to help other people in some way. I'm just like you, like for me, like even when I do lives, like I don't even do donations for me, that is my way of giving back, you know? And so, but I think that it's okay to charge for something that you're doing. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, if you're really trying to help people, you shouldn't be charging. I'm like, that's not true at all because it's got to be an even exchange of energy for one. And if you can monetize something that you're, that you love doing, that you're intrinsically motivated and that you're good at, and if it's to be in service of others, then that's great, but it can be done in an ethical way. So I love that you do that. So speaking of mediumship and people that pass, what do you believe or what have you felt as you've been doing this happened? to people when they pass what's on the other side side note did you guys know that i'm not only a therapist but i'm also a professional tarot reader it's not exactly me hovering over a crystal ball telling your future it's a tool to connect with your guides and your higher self to help you in certain areas of your life tarot genuinely changed my life and it can potentially change yours too click on the link in this podcast for more info okay back to the podcast
0: Well, I'll give you both sides of it because everybody wants the good and the bad and and the ugly. So for the most part, I think that most people um, who live pretty decent lives, we're allowed to make mistakes. That's okay. We go to a place that we form for ourselves. So, so many times I speak to people on the other side and they'll say things like, let my, let my daughter know I'm fishing or let my, my, uh. Husband, know that I'm actually here with them pretty often, and I'm watching over them and the kids and the grandkids. Or um, let my brother know that you know we're I'm still playing basketball outside the house. You know, just simple messages. And I think that heaven is whatever we kind of form it to be. So when we get where we're going, if we're kind of alone or we don't have many people there, it seems that those folks. Will continue to visit pretty often, and they'll make sure that they are watching out over us, each and every one of us. And then they kind of go back to home base, heaven, if you want to call it that. And uh, they have a nice, comfy spot there that they've kind of made their own. Then there's, you wouldn't believe this, but sometimes I do readings for people, and busloads of spirits. I mean, literally, like I'll watch like a city bus pull up in this space in my head, and they'll just pile out and they're all together always. Or they'll show me a big dance hall or a place that's like a big lake that they all gathered at in life. So those families that were really close in life tend to also be very close on the other side and they continue in those patterns that keep them close-knit. And then when we do the readings here, that's how they show up to us and they they let us know that we're still continuing those traditions and the happiness that, that we had in life. So that's always really nice to see. Then we have some other ones that are and I, I, maybe this will help some people who are listening to this who may have had some folks in their their lives that um, unfortunately took their own life. I'd like to just take a, a minute if, if this could help some people is that for all the times that I've ever seen somebody who took their own life, they're not being punished. They simply had to go on the other side and really admit that this life wasn't for them and that they were kind of sorry for doing what they did. And they're welcomed home. There's there's never a space where somebody who is willing to apologize is not taken in and taken home. And I think that really was important for a lot of people when I first started saying it. Um, as a matter of fact, there's only been one case in all of my readings where somebody was like kind of stuck, and they were just stuck because they were too afraid to move forward. But once we had the conversation with the man that was stuck, he was okay and he moved himself onto the next place and it was okay. So that was something that I I like to let everybody know as many people as I can anyway, know that, that it's okay. And then we come to the other group of the unfortunate people who are so bad or rotten or mean or evil here that they do get stuck. And I don't know if there's a true hell or what it's actually called, but I've definitely dealt with those folks as well. And the one that stands out to me the most is a man who came to a dining room table and he looked like a spiritual ball of mud and goo floating through the air instead of the really nice light, airy, bright light that you would expect a good soul to look like. He was the opposite. And when I spoke to the woman about him and I, I'm not going to put the reading out on the air here, but, um, he was pretty much the worst kind of human being that you could ever imagine. And when I said the things that he had done, uh, his daughter was like that's him and he can stay wherever he is i'm never going to forgive him and he that was it he went back to wherever he was supposed to be so for those who wonder if if the really bad people get stuck in a bad place i think they do but out of the thousands of readings i have done that was the worst one there are sure people who have um done some you know made made missteps they've had maybe tragic lives or things where they didn't make good decisions, they're still welcomed home. They just have to apologize and kind of start over again and they get another shot, which is is fair because no, no human being is perfect.
1: I like that you gave that validation because I think that, you know, we, we were in the military. I, I I know that we had a couple people we mutually know who took their lives. And um, you know, as sad as it is, and I think that's comforting to anybody that's ever known anyone who has lost their life or struggled with mental health, especially for us, because we we knew quite a few, even just in our company, both when we were in and then after we got out. So you do a lot of ghost hunting and I've even seen shows where it's not necessarily just like bad spirits that are around. It seems like it's, it's the good, bad and the ugly. So is there a such thing as a good spirit and a bad spirit? If there's good spirits that stay stuck, why do they stay stuck? Why do they haunt?
0: So yeah, I do. I do a lot of ghost hunting. I sure do. Um, The good ones seem to stay around because they love it so much where they are. They like being around – they still like being around people or they love the the space that they were in. So the uh, the Shanley Hotel where I go over here on the east coast is up in Napanock, New York. It has all these lovely ghosts that kind of hang out. There are people who live their entire lives in this hotel, building it, servicing it, being a part of it and the life that happened there. And they just love it, so they stay. And I think that's the case in many spaces where if you really were drawn to a place and you really loved it and you wanted to stay there – you might stay there more often. Maybe they go home every once in a while. Maybe they have to recharge. I I don't know what ghost rules are, but (laughs) so, so often you just go to a place and you're like, Oh, Hey, how are you? Um, to the ghost and they're like, Hey, how are you? It's, Oh, you can see us. Uh, Oh yeah, I can see what's going on. Oh, nothing. We love it here. We've been here for so long. We we like being here. The family who lives here is wonderful. We like their kids and, uh, we've, we've been here. So we're going to stay and hang out. And I don't necessarily think those are the ones who are haunting, though. The ones who haunt are the ones that are not necessarily bad, but they're kind of not getting the attention that they want. So they do things, I and you can equate because you have a child, um, they will do things like little children would do. So, you know, you watch these ghost shows and the cabinets get opened or dishes get tossed on the ground. That's basically just a ghost temper tantrum, like a child throws, because <laughs> they're not getting what they want. So they will do something in order to get your attention. And they'll just keep doing it. And of course, us as rational thinkers are like, holy crap, this ghost is really trying to scare me out of my house. And I think that's really where hauntings of that capacity come from. It's it's really just, you got to listen to them. And sometimes I, I will go into a client's home or who are like saying things like, oh my God, um, you know, the cabinets get opened. We hear stomping up and down the stairs, the walls are banging. We see an apparition every now and then. And I'll just walk in and, and find the ghost and be like, hey, can you just chill out a little bit? Like, I know you're here. I'll tell them you're here. What do you need? And it might be something so simple. Like one time this lady was like, oh, I had a a um, a um photo that I had hung up over my my husband's workbench in the basement Um, and they took it down. They still have it. Is there any chance they could put it back up and I'll stop? And I said that to the family and they were like, are you kidding? We could just put this thing back up and, and she'll stop. And I was like, that's what she says. And they put it back up and the whole haunting just stopped. She just loved this photograph of her husband or it was hers or her husband. It was just hung up at his workbench down in the basement. They put it right back where they found it and it all stopped.
1: So what's the scariest thing that's ever like when you've gone into these hauntings? Because sometimes I watch these shows and they say that they're physically getting scratched or they'll be like, Oh my God, I felt something and their whole back is red. What's the scariest shit that's ever happened to you or the most like, Oh shit moment, or even something that you've caught on tape or video.
0: So two of them that were real scary were one that happened to me personally in a private residence where, uh, this young man was saying that he he was basically having very visual hallucinations um, to which I made his family bring him to get checked like to a doctor because not everything's paranormal. And while he was away, the paranormal activity in the house that he was saying he was experienced started happening to the rest of the family. So they, they called me back and they were like, okay, he's actually going to be at the hospital for a week, getting a psych eval, but now we're being affected. Can you please come? And I was like, okay, now I got there. I'm alone in this house with, uh, uh, a male and a female. We're downstairs and I'm like, oh, so what kinds of things happen here? They're like, well, doors slam. We hear banging, weird smells. And as we're having this conversation, I hear a door slam upstairs. The whole house rattles. And and the guy who's talking to me is like 25 years old. He's a very tough looking individual. He's like Scooby-Doo's it, as I called it. His legs never touched the ground as he made his way out the front door. And he was standing outside the house, looking at me um, through the, through the house. And the woman was staying there and she's like, yeah, that kind of stuff is what's going on here. So I was like, are you sure there's nobody else here? Because that's, that was a very physical slam. She's like, go upstairs, check for yourself. So I went upstairs and it's completely empty. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, I called a friend of mine and we were back the next day. The family left us alone in their house, which was pretty unprecedented. Usually people don't like to leave, but they were so afraid that they were like, have at it, weirdos, like find out what's going on in here. So this is where the strangest thing I've caught so far happened. I had a camera on a tripod uh, downstairs, and it was filming a set of steps where they would hear a lot of bangings, and it was filming a piece of equipment that I had set up. Myself and the other investigator were upstairs, and one of the claims was that if loud noises were made in the house, ironically enough, it would set the ghost off. So I was like, well, I'm here to figure out what's happening. So I went into their, their bathroom upstairs and it was very sparsely decorated for lack of better words. Um, so it was very loud, um, inside the bathroom. So, you know, when you're in an empty bathroom and things slam, it gets really loud. So I was like, well, this is the perfect thing to do. So I picked up the toilet seat and I slammed it down and you can hear it echo through the house. And I yelled, um, so the camera could hear me. Uh, that the loud bang on camera was me. And as soon as I yelled it, the entire camera got tossed to the ground, the tripod and all. And as I reviewed the footage back, you can see the camera as it's falling down, a black shadow shoots across the front of it, then up and then back the other way. So that very night, um, I'm talking to the other investigator and I'm like trying to psychically tune into what's going on there because as of this point, it's not showing itself. It's just being very physical. So I looked at my buddy and I was like, dude, what are the chances that this thing might be a gin out of nowhere? And as soon as I said the word gin, every single piece of equipment that we had in this house went nuts. What's a gin? Uh it's basically like a Middle Eastern demon.
1: Oh God. <laughs> it's their
0: version of like a demon. And it's usually a trickster spirit. Um, it it likes to play horrible pranks on people and it gets enjoyment out of these things. However, if you give it something shiny or give it like a toy or a little tribute, it'll stop. So all everything in, in the house went nuts. So my, my buddy looks at me and he's like, what made you think of that? And I was like, I have no idea, but it just came to me. And he like shows me a text message that he was writing in that moment. And he was texting another very um, well-known investigator and he was texting to the guy. Do you think that maybe this could be a gin? He had the same thought that I did. And he was texting it to somebody else to see what they thought. So I was like, Okay. There's no way that both of us had that inkling. And then all the equipment went off at the word. So we start, we, we showed, basically we did a little bit of research and we found that if you leave like little shiny objects, that it will stop. And that's what we did. And it all stopped. And when I tell you that it was like some of the most hardcore bits of haunting I've ever been a part of that, that's no joke. And it just wanted whatever it wanted.
1: Okay. So Talking about demons, which kind of freaks me out, but that's fine. I, I I'm curious. So, are demons real? Obviously, you, you you the answer to that for you is yes. And why do they manifest or haunt? Like, is do they attach to certain people? Are they attached to certain places? What's your theory on that?
0: So when it comes to demons, um, I've never actually, I think, came face to face with one.
1: Let me let me get um, my black I've, tourmaline while we're talking about this. I'm just going to hold <laughs> sure. on to this. <laughs> That's good. I,
0: I have my selenite <laughs> handy just in case. Just in case. Um, basically, I when I think about energy and I think about um, as we were talking about a little bit earlier, religion, um, demons are a very Catholic sort of thought, right? They're a very Catholic idea. So. I don't try to give anything that name of demon unless it follows the pattern that the Catholic church has set up for it, which my other buddy who I was ghost hunting with that night is the closest thing to a demonologist. I think you can actually be without being a part of the church and being a demonologist. So if I have questions about those sorts of things, he's the guy I turn to. And then he has a hierarchy of people that he turns to that are in the church. So if we get ourselves into something that we can't handle – We find people who can, because that's always the the next thing. It can't just be you against everybody. It has to be you're the, the spear, the tip of the spear, right? As we like to say, and then all the people behind you that can help because sometimes you run into stuff you can't deal with. So a demon is something I would never be able to deal with. I don't have the tools. So I don't think I've run into any. I've run into human spirits that were pretending to be demons. They would do things that were very mischievous, dark, evil, angry, but never really demonic. Whereas, uh, the gentleman who I was ghost hunting with, he's been a part of exorcisms. He's seen what a true demon could do. And to be quite honest, just like you, it's not, I'm not equipped for it. It's not, I don't even want to be equipped for it because it's such another like ball game of, terror and problems that you could bring into your own life and then your family's life. Um, I'm not doing that. I'm dealing with Casper. I'm dealing with like maybe the occasional like negative thing, a gin I accidentally walked into. It's not something I would have intentionally went after, but I found myself in it and I did a little research and it worked. So that's, that's the way we handled it. But for all the ghost shows and TV shows that are like, it's a demon it's probably not a demon. It's probably just something that's really low level and angry. Not to say that people aren't coming across them, but it's, I think it's more rare than you might think. The thing you have to remember about a true demon is they do not want you to know that they're there. They're not going to do things that are like outwardly, like here I am here. Look at me. I'm, I'm a demon. No, they do terrible things. Like they come into your home. They're very quiet. They oppress you. They divide your family. They make you think that you're going crazy. Then they put you in a deep depression. And then they put you in a place where you're either going to hurt yourself or somebody else. And that's the way a true demon works. It's not like you see on TV. I'm just saying that's coming from people who have been dealing with this for a long time. That's how they explained it to me. And as far as I can tell, that that's very correct.
1: So who does someone contact if they think that they're dealing with this? I've never had to deal with that. But if someone thinks that they're dealing with something dark or even lighter, like a haunting, and they just don't want to deal with it? Do they contact someone like you and just kind of go through the chain of command from there? Like if I if I said I have a haunting right now, I need somebody to come check this out. What would I do?
0: Um, For a basic haunting? um, The way that I do it is if somebody contacts me, I say, Okay, um, send me some photographs of your house and you. I'll do a spiritual reading on them real quick. I'll get my own ideas. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm picking up from the reading. And if you say like, Oh, this, these are the things that are happening. And that's very correct. And of course you're, you're a couple hundred miles away from me. So I'm not going to be able to come and help you. So I would find somebody in the area for you that I think is trustworthy and and have them help you. Uh, For a lot of people, that's not really an option. So always find somebody local that has a good reputation. And if you can't find somebody reach out to just remember this numbers on social media, don't always mean that they know what they're talking about. So really vet who you're looking at and see what their connections are into the paranormal world, because you don't want, I've had some horror stories of people doing terrible things who claim to be experts who knew nothing about what they were doing. So just really make sure you understand who you're inviting into your home before you bring them in. Um, They're not really like the police department or the fire department who you can trust that you're calling the right people to come in and they're going to help you. Sometimes people just say they are something that they're not. And they're looking for clout and recognition, and you end up with a problem. But that's that's the disclaimer. But for the most part, there are many teams across the United States, uh, Canada, and even down in Mexico who are very well-known and who will come in. They won't charge you anything, and they'll give you their expert opinion. And like myself, if they can't handle it for you, they will move up the ladder until they find somebody who can.
1: Okay, well, that's good to know, and I think for those listening, you're in New York, right? You said you mentioned New York, so if you're dealing with anything,
0: yeah, I'm in the I'm in New Jersey, but I'm in the I'll travel pretty much New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New York, and okay, further if need know. be. Good to know.
1: Good to know. So let's go on a lighter note. Let's get let's go to you know the lighter side. So we've all have you know at some at some point in our lives, we're all going to have someone we know who passes, and I think for anyone listening to this, there's a curiosity to know you know is my loved one still around. Do they send signs to us? Do they try to communicate? And if they do, what are some things that we can look for or what are some ways that they may try to communicate with us?
0: Yeah, so they they are absolutely around with us and they absolutely do send signs. Now, of course, anybody who's listening to this probably has a, a vague interest in, in some of this stuff. And you may have heard like, oh, they'll send you um, quarters or pennies or dimes. They'll send you feathers. And uh, sometimes they manipulate music. Those are very common signs, but I think there are more signs than most people realize. So one of the things that I would tell you is that um, if there's somebody that you lost in your life that you really loved, and if you see an object or go to a place or smell a smell and you immediately think of them, that's your connection to them. It's not necessarily that they really put it there for you, but it's the fact that it connects you to them and that's the bigger sign. Because we're all a part of that same energy group. So for me, um, if I see a 1968 Chevelle, I think of my uncle. Now, did my uncle send that car down the road for me to see? No. But every time I see one, I think of him and that's that connection. He's like right there with me because I know he would appreciate it as well. It's something that he loved. Or if uh, a song comes on the radio that belongs to a friend of mine who passed away, not belongs to him, but something that I knew he liked did he necessarily put the song on the radio for me? No. But every time I hear it, I think of him and it it makes me think of him and I feel very warm and happy that it's there for me. So if you have a connection to an object, a place, a person or a thing, and it makes you think of somebody who's passed away, that's your connection. Or sometimes it's just as easy as um, what I like to call like inactive meditation, things where you're folding the laundry, you're driving somewhere Um, You're doing something mundane that you do all the time and it doesn't require much brain power. And in that space, you have a thought or a memory of somebody who passed away. And you're like, just having that moment with yourself and thinking about mom, dad, grandma, cousin, aunt, friend, whoever it is. And then you get where you're going or you're done with the chore and you're like, boy, what did I think of them? Well, you're in, in an inactive meditation and they visited you because your big voice in your brain shut up for a second. And you got quiet into that daydream and they visited. That's all there is to it. Everybody tries to make it very difficult, I think, or they overthink it. And that's all it is. That's right where it happens.
1: So if someone wants to improve their own abilities, because I feel like on every level, on some level, we all have our own psychic abilities. You know, Whether it's so small as like your intuition told you to turn left rather than right. And you missed that hour of traffic that you would have hit, or, you know, maybe you missed an accident that would have happened to you, whatever that inert intuition is telling us, oh, that person is lying, or maybe you avoided a completely narcissistic relationship because your gut told you like, Hey, this person is, is a little like icky, right? So I think we all have our own psychic abilities, but for those that maybe want to improve their own, or maybe improve that connection with their spirituality or with their loved ones to be more in tuned with the messages that they receive, what are some things that they can do?
0: First off, hundred percent, we all have our own abilities. Um, It's just a matter of if you are going to listen to it or not and, and use them. And then to improve them, I always tell everybody that you have to understand what kind of person you are first so that you know what you're trying to improve. So I always try to think about what, how do you learn? Like, What's your method of learning? So for me, I'm very visual. I, I like to play guitar, but I don't learn guitar by reading sheet music or listening to the song. I learn it by watching somebody play it, and then I mimic it, and then I can play it back, and that's how I learn it. My psychic ability or my mediumship is the same way. I'm very clairvoyant. I see a lot. So that was the first thing that I wanted to improve. When I close my eyes and my imagination starts to take over, that's the part that I wanted to focus on first. So the only way for me to get there though was to meditate. And I had to go through a bunch of different kinds of methods until I found out what worked for me because I'm a i am I have to find out what works. So for me, the meditation is laying in my bed, putting um like a towel over my eyes and putting headphones on, so I'm blocking out, out the outside noise and breathing with a little bit of light music and focusing on my imagination and the things that are going on there. And that's where that meditation brings me and fills my head with all the, the imagery and the things that I'm going to need for a reading. And then after that um, is the next part is my clear audience is strong, then the Clarescence and all the other ones that come in after it. So it depends on what you think your ability is and how you want to unlock it. But meditation seems to always be the key to it.
1: It's so interesting how, see, like we're opposite. So like your clairvoyance is your strongest and your clairaudience. So mine is kind of like the opposite. So my clear feeling and knowing is the strongest. Like it's it's ridiculous how much it is. Like I, I'm not even, I wouldn't even say I'm an empath. I would say I'm like an empath on crack. Like my clairsentience is like through the roof, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know things before they happen. And I get signs right before a big event's going to happen, like before a hurricane, before I get sick. Um, I'll get like one, 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 one. And it's, but I'm not talking a couple of times a day. I'm talking like 30 to 40 times, not just like on the, on the phone. It's one, one minute and 11 seconds voice note. I'm seeing one eleven followers, one, one, one here, one, one, one on my phone. It's, it's weird. And like, even my friends who are not spiritual, they're like, okay, yeah, that, that's a little creepy. And then something happens within a day. Like I caught COVID both times. And then I will get this feeling. I'm like, I know something's going to happen. So recently during my meditations, it what's weird is that I've been now trying to like, instead of doing guided meditations, I just put on the vibrations and I've been trying to like physically work on my clairvoyance. And sometimes during my meditations, like I did a past life reading the other day, meditated, and I started seeing these very vivid pictures of people. And I don't know what the connection was, but it's like almost like, you know, right when you're about to fall asleep and it's kind of like that feeling of I'm awake, but I'm kind of like going into that lucid state, but I know I'm I'm physically aware I'm going into that lucid state. I go into that state for like a 0.5 seconds and I bounce right back and I I physically feel myself going back and forth. It's the weirdest thing to explain. And what I kept seeing, I saw this girl, like seven years old, big smile, long curly red hair dress like maybe like 16th century. And then I saw like this bald girl, punk rock jewelry on. And then I see this other blonde girl with like Egyptian eyeliner. It was the weirdest shit I've ever seen. And it was so vivid to me, almost like one of those like vivid dreams. But I was in that state of awakeness. So what's interesting is when I did this reading and the past life stuff come up, some of those characteristic traits of these people that I saw were coming up in the reading. And I kind of question myself. I'm like, is that a coincidence? I don't know, but I need to start working on my clairvoyance now because that's something very new to me. I don't see pictures like you. I hear vibrations, but I don't hear words. But when I do a reading and I'm feeling someone's guides come through, I physically feel it like it comes on my back and all guides and energy feels very different for me. So it can feel very minty. Some feels like bubbles on my head. Some feels very hot. Some gives me anxiety. Some makes me laugh. Um, Sometimes when like people are super psychic or empathic, the messages come through very easy. And then when people are super blocked, it's, I get confused. Like when I feel confused, it's because they're very blocked with their energy, or maybe the the guides are hesitant to pass information. I don't know. That's my theory. Do you ever feel that way? Like, do you feel stuff coming through? And what does it feel like when someone's spirit guides are coming through to you? And can you distinguish when you feel or see guides?
0: Yeah. So um, first off, you're real. you're very well on your path to unlocking the rest of your gift here, because you are very aware of what's happening and who's coming. So you're, you're going to hit all those milestones um, as you, as you keep meditating. And that's just fantastic to hear that because a lot of people get a little bit afraid because they start experiencing things that they can't understand. It's one thing to say that you're empathic or psychic or a medium. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, why am I experiencing all this crazy stuff? I'm afraid of it, but you're not doing that, which is totally awesome. So what I would say for me is when I speak to spirit. Um, I ask who I'm speaking with. So somebody who's a a spirit who's alive, uh, or was alive. So it's interesting because when guides come through, I will see them in a different level, so to speak. So say like a human being will show up like right in front of me, a guide might show up a little bit higher in my periphery of where my psychic vision is. And then I will feel them differently as well. So how you were saying, like, you will feel confused if, if the person is confused, so for me, when I feel confusion, it's usually a human spirit that passed away that had dementia or Alzheimer's and oh. they'll physically scramble me and make me feel that. So I'm like, oh, this is dementia or Alzheimer's they had before they passed. Oh, I didn't or think sometimes, about that. Yeah. Or I'll get like super loopy and I'll be like, oh, this person was intoxicated or on drugs before they passed. Or I'll feel heat, which heat to me is usually when I'm not picking up what they're putting down. So it's almost like two magnets that are pressing together and they're not wanting to meet together. So my energy isn't meeting with theirs and it makes me very hot. And the same thing with the anxiety, it's like, I'm not getting the message that they're trying to give me. So then I will feel anxious about it. Mm -hmm. Then the other ones, I feel nothing because it's so effortless guides Mm -hmm. are usually really, and I liked how you said bubbly. That was interesting. Um, Guides usually just will download and I don't know a better way to put it, but they'll just be like, um, you know, tell Susan that, um, she's doing a really great job. She needs to fix her, her chakra systems all spinning out of whack and, uh, you know, maybe go see the foot doctor because I know that that's been bothering her. Right. And I'm like, well, that was a lot of information. I'll I'll regurgitate it. And that's it. So That's just that's just the way spirit guides talk to me. It's very matter of fact, whereas humans, they're still human beings under in that soul. So they have to do their best to communicate and talk about the earthly things that they want to talk about that um, they want to communicate with about their family. So it's interesting stuff.
1: That's so cool. Yeah, it's so weird how it's just so different for different people. Like for me, you know, using tarot, I and I've gotten a lot of readings from a lot of different people. And I'm going to be honest, maybe I'm a little bit of a stickler. I've only found one, one woman who I've been working with for the last three years, who's a good tarot reader no shade to anyone else. It just wasn't up to par. So, and I say this humbly, right. But I feel like the way that I read, it's not, I'm not just like a person who's like, okay, buy the book. And I look at a card and it's like, okay, well, let me, let me see what we're working with here. And, oh, okay. I'm pulling this, the justice card. Let me look up the book and see the meaning. Like for me, it doesn't work like that you know, yes, like when I first started, I would kind of look at it. But now the way that I read, it's just kind of I have my own way of interpreting certain things and certain cards. And I, I look at it like a story. And so when I see certain cards, I don't have to read each and every card, I can kind of just see it. And, and what's interesting, too, is even as I'm shuffling, I kind of already know the answer and when I, right, when, the card, yes. when the cards the cards come out it's just validating what I was feeling. So like if someone's asking me is my husband cheating on me and I'm like, okay, how you know what are so and so's? What does she need to know about her partner John? And I kind of split the deck and I take a look and I'm like, oh, seven seven of swords. Oh shit, here we go.
0: Here it is.
1: <laughs> He's cheating. And so I shuffle and then those cards come out, the ones that you don't want to see. And it's, so it's kind of like, you know, I already know. But what what's interesting to me is I think that people have they don't fully understand what psychics and mediums and mind you, there's a difference between the two. And maybe you can explain that. But I think that people have like a misunderstanding of what we can and cannot do. Like, we're not all knowing, right? Like, sometimes we just get like, it's like a puzzle. And we may have to try to figure out the pieces. And you may be the one to fill in the blanks. Like, I'm not going to know everything. And they're not your guides are not going to tell you what to do. They're guides, they're guiding you, you have to make your own decisions. And these people come to us. And in a way, I'm humbled that you think I have all the answers, but these people sometimes are so desperate. Just tell me what to do. And they think we have all the answers. I would love to hear what your experience has been with that.
0: Yeah. So it's very much the same, uh, especially about the tarot card thing, because I also read a little bit of tarot, but it's the same, the same thing. They're just like flashcards for us to, to kind of show, like, if they have a question as to why I feel that way, I'll be like, well, here's, here's the seven of swords that is confirming the way I'm feeling. Right it's more for the client than it is for us. In my opinion, Uh, there are some really amazing tarot card readers who go by the book and are super accurate. Um, but I'm more like you more rely on my psychic sense. And then I use the, the tarot deck as a way to like reaffirm what I feel like. So when it comes to, um, psychics and mediums, the way that I understand it is that all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. I don't know if a psychic just a just a psychic has the ability to progress into mediumship. I feel like some of them don't want to because that's still something that's scary to them, or it's just not their path, which is totally cool. Um, for me, I go by Scotty the Medium because I am so much better at mediumship than I am at psychic stuff. So I always say mediumship's my big gear, and psychic ability is my little gear. Um, I have been known to be a little bit spooky when it comes to the psychic stuff, like by accident, I think, in, in my opinion. But like you said, like sometimes we just give information and it's more a guideline for you to understand because I, like I tell people, I can make a psychic prediction, prediction that you're going to walk out your front door and a tree is going to fall on you. So what do you do? You go out the back door and you beat the psychic prediction. So that's that's the way that goes, Right. With mediumship, it's a little bit different because I'm not trying to tell anybody the future. And if somebody like a guide or somebody on the other side has some information that that's about the future, they know it and I'm just relaying it and I never try to um, step on it. So one of the things when I do readings, especially with mediumship, I will say, OK, I whatever comes in, we're not going to try to stretch it or make it fit where it's not where we wanted to fill the story, right? It's just going to come out how it is. And that, that is what it is. And one of my favorite stories like that is this woman's mom came through. She was connecting a hundred percent. The lady was validating all the things that her mom was saying. And the mom kept saying to me, draw, a bottle. There's a really special bottle. That's, that's very special. And I want you to talk about it. I drew a bottle on the paper and everything. And I was like, look, I don't know what's with this bottle, but it's so special. Your mom wants me to talk about it. And the woman who I was doing the reading for was like, I have no idea what could be so special about a bottle, but okay. About six months later, it was July. And this woman sends me a message on Facebook. And she was like, um, you remember you drew that bottle? And I was like, No. And she refreshes my memory. And I was like, okay, yeah, I kind of remember what you're talking about. So she goes, okay, so we were at a barbecue. Um, It was me, my two sisters, my dad, and we're all talking about mom who passed away. And my dad gets up from the table and he goes down uh, to over to his workbench. And he brings the toolbox out to the table and we couldn't figure out what he was going to do. And he opens up this old toolbox and he pulls out a cloth. And inside the cloth is a bottle of liqueur. And he says, girls, this is your mom's bottle of liqueur. I know she didn't really drink, but this was hers. And every once in a while, she would have a drink out of it. And I think today she would want us to have a drink out of her bottle of liqueur. So oh, they all had wow. a shot of of mom's alcohol. And dad had been saving that bottle for a very long time. And none of the girls knew about it. Just him. So mom already knew that there was going to be some kind of special toast in her memory. And it was going to revolve around her bottle of alcohol that she would keep. So that, that's why it's important if you're learning to do this, that it's okay to be wrong because you're probably not, you're just probably not connecting right at that moment or the person who you're speaking to just doesn't understand the clue or the clue isn't present yet. So don't be afraid to write things down and have somebody be like, that's not right like as long as you're getting most of it, the rest of it will fill itself in in time.
1: Mine. See, I'm the opposite. My, my big boy is like the psychic stuff. And then Mm. my mediumship, you know, it's there and it's happened, but it's not, it's not my strength. But like when it has happened, I don't have as much control over it. Um, Like for me, I had a, a reading I was doing. And when I look at Cards, especially oracles. Like, if I am going to throw in an oracle, I don't really look at the details. But for some reason, I just kept staring at these birds on this card. I don't know what it was. And I said, Listen, I'm probably like shooting in the dark right here, but does birds mean anything to you with like a female energy? And she starts like bawling. I'm like, What? 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 So she's like, I got to send you these videos. So my grandmother was a bird watcher. And after she died, there was a specific type of bird that she liked with red robins. And they started coming to my window seal, not just one, but many. She sends me all these videos of these birds at her window seal, And I was like, shut up. So here I am thinking like, I'm just like making stuff up, but you know, it's happened in those types of senses. But my big thing is psychic stuff. You need career love. You want to know if he's cheating. I'm your girl.
0: <laughs> You're the girl. So I'm careful with that stuff when it comes, especially when it comes to if uh, somebody's cheating or not, because I'm a uh-huh. dude. So I've had men call me and be like, I swear, if you put me on blast again, I'm going to find you. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't, I don't need to do that. So I really try to steer away from that. I, I highly doubt that any anybody would call you, but I've, it's so no kidding. Twice it's happened. Dudes wow. call me and be like, you better not be putting me on blast again with my wife. I can't believe you'd say that. I was like, holy cow. I was really accurate on that one. Huh? You,
1: you know, the, but most of the time when they come to me, they already know they just want validation, yep. but you know, I'm open to the mediumship. If it happens at some point, you know, like I I would, I would love to be able to help people in that way, but I'm kind of just like, I'm not forcing it at this point, whatever is meant to be is going to happen. And it'll, it'll be meant to be, um, Scotty, looking back at your past and your journey and, and everything that you've done, is there anything that you would tell your younger self? Would you do anything different?
0: I think that the only thing that I would tell myself looking back is to just trust my instincts earlier and If I did that, I might be a little bit further along in my journey. But other than that, I think I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And there's not much I would change because I've had a pretty awesome life. I've met a lot of really awesome people like you. And uh, I don't think that I'd want to change a thing. So I'm pretty happy.
1: I love that. Well, I'm going to link everything for everyone to follow you, especially if they're wanting to book a reading or if they have any haunting questions, I would love for everyone to get in touch with you. It's been an honor and I love being able to catch up with you and I love where you are in your journey. I can't wait to see what the future holds for you and hopefully in the future we can do another collab. So thank you so much for coming on the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure and uh, to everybody listening, thanks for listening and I really appreciate it. I look forward to hearing from you.